Try to center yourself. Remember why we are here. Remember that God deserves our worship. He deserves our praise. If you would please stand with me and sing. Starting a little more upbeat than I normally am, so. <laughs> These are the days of Elijah, declaring the word of the Lord. And these are the days of his servant, Moses, righteousness being restored. And though these are days of great trial, of Amen. Mm -hmm. 
Father God, I thank you so much for who you are. 
I thank you for who you've made us to you. I pray that you would help us to focus on you. I pray that you would give me words to speak that are from you. I pray that you would help us to honor you, to corporately worship you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Good morning. All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. So over the next little while, I'm hoping to take us through almost a survey of the Bible, uh, looking at man's relationship to God. I'm using the book, The Story, which is just excerpts from the Bible that were pieced together to show man's story with God. I'm using that as kind of my guide through this, and then I'm taking their, uh, their scriptures and kind of ignoring where they went with it and just kind of uh, just using that as a guide to show man's story with God through the Bible. And this could take anywhere from 10 months to a year and a half, depending on how it goes. So... Um, I do appreciate your feedback. If any point you say, wow, you're boring me, I'll try to do my best. All right. So I'm actually starting with Genesis 1-1, and I'm hoping to get through Genesis, Genesis 1 through 4 today. We're not going to read every bit of it, but I would highly encourage you to do that at home sometime this week. For some reason, this section of scripture has actually become almost divisive in the church today, simply because people want to know, how should we interpret this? I'll tell you how I, exactly how I interpret this. I believe this to be the very words of God. Whatever is in this, God wants me to know. That's where I'm going to leave it. All the finer points of that, you can pray and work out on your own. I believe these to be the very words of God, and I want to know them. So the first place I'm going to pick up is with God's creation of man. Genesis 1, 26, and I believe I'm reading through verse 31. Then God said, let us make man in our image. A lot of people run with that verse, and I'll tell you why. God refers to himself as our. If you're Trinitarian, this is not a problem. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, let us make man in our image. After our likeness, and let him have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the heavens, and over the livestock, and over the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the heaven, and every living thing that moves on the earth. And God said, Behold, I have given you every plant yielding seed that is on the face of all the earth, and every tree with seed in its fruit, and you shall have them for your food. And every beast of the earth, and every bird of the heavens, 
and everything that creeps on the earth, everything that has the breath of life, I have given every green plant for food. And it was so. And God saw everything he had made, and behold, it was very good. And there was evening, and there was morning the sixth day. So right here in this section of scripture, we have things that we just kind of glaze over. Uh, partially because the language of Genesis is a little bit different than how we speak today. It doesn't matter how, tra uh, how modern your translation of the Bible is. We don't typically speak like this. But some things that we, we gloss over is that God made us in his image. Male and female, he created us. There's a, an equality in creation. The Bible shows us that he created men and women differently, but he, we're both created in the image of God. There's an equality there. There's a compliment there, too. Man was alone, and he needed a helper, and there was no suitable helper, so God made him a helper. Something else that we... Uh, tend not to notice is uh, the creation ordinance. When God talks in his creation account, we were actually given a job to do before sin. Work is not the byproduct of sin. People like, well, if we didn't live in such a fallen world, I wouldn't have to go to work. God gave us work to do before sin. The word toil comes up after sin, so I have a feeling that work would have been a lot more enjoyable, probably more like what I do for a living. That was only partially a joke. There's also a lot of things that you could apply to, well, the gender issues. Male and female, he created them. Some of my vegetarian friends really look to this section of scripture to say that God gave them every green plant for food. Because in the beginning, it does not appear that God wanted us to kill and eat. You can probably still smell the sausage on my breath, though, so you know how well I follow that line of thinking. However, I think it's, it's fairly sound. So something else that's huge in this is that God blessed them and said, be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. This is a very abused and very ignored scripture. The first part is ignored. The second part is abused. God said to them, be fruitful and increase in number. Worldwide, Christians have half a child less than non-Christians by worldwide statistics. Why are we having less children than non-Christians? Just by the math of that alone, there's a reason why other re religions are growing at a faster rate than Christians. Part of that is that we buy into the idea that God wants us to be comfortable and happy all the time. Now, children are the biggest blessing on earth. But if we're being honest, do they make you comfortable and happy? Happy, yes. Comfortable, no. No, not at all. Anything that's worth it, though, is worth the work. 
But I'm a little troubled by that statistic. Now, granted, I have one child. I, I do believe that God decided I get one child, though. So I'm not arguing. But I think as the overall church, why are we having so few children? I'll probably speak more on that in a little bit. And then the part that I feel is abused is when God tells us to rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. When you rule over something, it is not the same as abusing it. Ruling over things isn't the same as abusing them, right? We're supposed to rule over the creatures. We're not supposed to misuse them, right? I don't think anyone would argue with that, but every once in a while, I'll hear someone that's being very cruel to something, quote a Bible verse, be like, well, we're supposed to rule over the animals. Yes, you're supposed to rule over the animals. It doesn't mean you're supposed to shoot four deer out of season. It means you're supposed to rule over the animals. <laughs> also, I'm finding from Scripture that children are a treasure, and we seem to have lost that. We view them as just something. Something that we can train. I don't know anyone that would say, I'm not happy I had my children. I don't know anyone that is unhappy that they had children, unless their child happens to be 13. But aside from that, no offense, guys. Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord, the fruit of the womb a reward. That's from Psalms 27.3. For I formed, for you formed... My inward parts, you knitted me together in my mother's womb. That's from Psalm 139.13. Did he make them one with a portion of the Spirit in their union? And what was one God seeking? Godly offspring. So guard yourselves in your spirit, and let none of you be faithless to the wife of your youth. That's from Malachi 2.15. Family is a huge deal. A godly family is a huge deal. That's actually one of the fundamental teachings in Scripture, is to love your wife. Do not be faithless to the wife of your youth, and be fruitful and multiply. Your family is the biggest blessing that we allow ourselves to be robbed of by being too busy and from chasing our dreams. I'm being very sarcastic with that phrase. Chasing your dreams. Follow your heart. Find the answer within yourself. That is all modern therapeutic deism. You will not find it in the Bible. God will give you the desires of your heart if you follow him. That is in the Bible. If you follow him... The heart is deceitful beyond all things. That is also in the Bible. If we're following our heart, we are lying to ourselves. Doesn't mean you can't have what you want. But if you want God first, what you want will probably be what he wants. Something that I've heard a lot about, and I'm... Uh, think is really important is the fact that the Bible specifies that Adam and Eve were naked and unashamed. The man gave names to all livestock and to the birds of the heavens and to the, every beast of the field. But Adam 
But for Adam, there was not found a helper fit for him. So the Lord caused a deep sleep to fall on man. And while he slept, took one of his ribs and closed up its place with flesh. And the rib that the Lord God had taken from man, he made into a woman and brought her to the man. And the man said, This at last is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. And a man and his wife were both naked and they were not ashamed. This actually teaches us something very fundamental about marriage. In uh, Confession of Faith and a Mennonite Perspective, it actually defines marriage as between one man and one woman for life. And you actually see this reflected in Genesis where woman was taken from man, and to be complete, you need both of them. Which I think is what led Luther to say we're, marriage to be holy, not ha- we're married to be holy, not happy. Although Paul does encourage, if you have the, the strength to remain single, there's nothing wrong with being single. There's such a thing as holy singleness. Genesis 2 tells of the creation of man and woman. They were naked and unashamed. They were innocent and blameless. They knew no sin. They had no shame. They go hand in hand. If you know no sin, you have no shame. Toddlers are totally unaware when they're naked or that it's inappropriate for them to be naked and running through the backyard. I'm not going to tell that story. At some point, you realize that your child's old enough to hear you and be mortified and just to be crushed. So I'm not going to tell any stories, but I have stories. At some point, they become naked and afraid. Once they're exposed to sin, they become ashamed of their nakedness. They understand the gravity of their nakedness. Also, I'm just captured by the fact that the original sin of man and the original sin of angels is the same sin. Original sin for me is the same as the original sin for Adam. It was the original sin for Lucifer. My original sin is thinking, no, I know a better way. It's as simple as that. By doing that, I am making myself God. I am saying that I will be as God. Every time I know what God wants and I do something different, I am deciding I will be as God. You've probably never looked at it that way, but we take sin very lightly in Western culture, but allow me to reiterate that. Anytime that I know what the right thing is and I do my own thing anyway, I'm saying, God, I see what you said, but I can do it better. In the same way when I tell a child, clean up your room, And they say, okay, and they don't do it, and they go do something else. They are making themselves the parent or the teacher. It really is that simple. Every time I ignore God, I am making myself God. I am ill-equipped to be God, by the way. No good can come of it.
Adam and Eve fell because they believed that they would not surely die. But they would become like God in knowing right and wrong. They didn't understand the gravity of that. But the best lies are 80% truth. If you eat of that fruit, you'll be like God, knowing right from wrong. That part was true. And they did die. Not, a, not right away. Adam was actually given a command from God directly. Don't eat from this tree. We, we like to blame women for this. So, hold on. God was given a command directly from God. Do not eat from this tree. Eve is his helper. He is supposed to square her away to let her know what God said and why it's important. Now, did God tell Eve that directly too? Maybe. So, Eve decides, you know what? This pretty snake over here told me this is okay. And then she gives it to Adam. It's not like Adam didn't know where the fruit came from. He's, okay. I can identify with this. Any man that has never been the leader of his home for any period of time and expected his wife to lead should relate to this story. Because we're all over it. Here, eat this. Well, I don't know if I should, but okay. And the second they get caught, please read all this too. I don't, I, there's a lot I'm, I'm skipping over. You want to read all of this. Um, the second they get caught, Adam does something that we still do. Like, it's that woman that you gave me. He blames his partner and then blames God in the same breath. Wasn't my fault. How many times when something's falling apart, be like, well, it's that guy I work with. I was just so mad. It's just so mad. It's that woman that you gave me. And after this, the fall of man, you see this in Genesis 3, 4. Through 25, the Lord God said to the serpent, because you have done this, cursed are you above all livestock and above all beasts of the field. On your belly you shall go, and dust you shall eat all the days of your life. I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your offspring and her offspring. This is going to show up throughout the rest of this. I will put enmity between her offspring, his offspring, and your offspring. He shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. To the woman he said, I will surely multiply your pain and childbearing. In pain you shall bring forth children. Your desire shall be contrary to your husband, but he shall rule over you. I don't want to read too much into that, but you can see some societal patterns. And to Adam he said, Because you have listened to the voice of your wife, and you have eaten from this tree of which I commanded you, you shall not eat of it. Cursed is the ground because of you. In pain you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you, and you shall eat of the plants of the field. By the sweat of your face you will eat bread, till, the re till you return to the ground. For out of it you were taken, for you are dust, and to dust you shall return. And the, So here we can see this is where work became unpleasant. 
From the sweat of your face, you will eat your bread. And working with people, doing, I did actual manual labor for two days, not as well as some of the other people there, but we won't get into that. I'm not accustomed to it. But it actually kind of reinforced this, that your food comes from hard work these days. You guys know that better than I do, because many of you bring forth the food I purchase. <laughs> so thanks for that. And the man called his wife Eve, because she was the mother of all living. And the Lord God made for Adam and his wife garments of skins and clothed them. This is actually like the first sacrifice for sin. The first time blood was shed was to cover the sins of man. Their sins caused them to know they were naked. They tried tying fig leaves together. Apparently that wasn't very successful. And God actually killed animals and gave them their skins. So the first time that an animal's blood was used to cover man's sin is in Genesis. This is also a theme that we will see over and over again. There are all kinds of, we call them types and symbols in the Old Testament that lead us up to Christ. And I'll point a lot of those out as we go. There is a trapping, though, when you get into that. They call that historic redemptive theology. There's a trapping to that where you try to make every single verse in the Old Testament directly relate to Christ. And there are a lot of them that do. But I don't think we need to go verse by verse and try to make it fit. I think that's actually more disempowering than, than miraculous. And the Lord God said, Behold, the man has become like one of us in knowing good and evil. Now lest he reach out his hand and also take from the tree of life and eat and live forever. Therefore the Lord God sent him out of the garden of Eden to work the ground from which he was taken. He drove out the man at the east of the garden of Eden and placed the cherub, cherubim with a flaming sword that turned every way to guard the way to the tree of life. So man is thrown out of paradise to work the ground. Now, because the apple doesn't fall far from the tree, that could be a joke, but it's not. We get to see within one generation how this affects humankind. So we're on to chapter 4 of Genesis. Did you see that? We just made it from Genesis 1 through 3. I would really highly encourage you, though, to read or listen to Genesis 1 through 4 during this week so that you can fill in the blanks as we go. Because I'm not telling you the whole story. Um, I actually had it in my mind when, when I first asked to be the pastor. I had it in my mind that I would go through the entire Bible verse by verse. And then last month john macarthur finally made it through preaching the new testament to his church verse by verse 44 years you can judge me for this but i'm not ready to commit so in genesis 4 now adam knew his wife and she conceived and bore cain I've gotten a man with help from the Lord. And again, she bore his brother Abel. Now Abel was a caper of sheep, and Cain worked of the ground. 
In the course of time, Cain brought to the Lord an offering of the fruit of the ground. And Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flock, excuse me, and of their fat portions. And the Lord had regard for Abel and his offering. But for Cain and his offering, he had no regard. So Cain became very angry and his face fell. The Lord said to Cain, why are you angry? And why is your face fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door. Its desire is contrary to you, and you must rule over it. Do you hear that? God's speaking to Cain and also to us. If you do well, will you not be accepted? If you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door. Its desire is contrary to you. You must rule over it. Cain spoke to Abel, his brother, and when they were in the field, Cain rose up against his brother Abel and killed him. And the Lord said to Cain, where is Abel, your brother? And he said, I do not know. Am I my brother's keeper? And the Lord said, what have you done? The voice of your brother's blood is crying to me from the ground. And now you are cursed from the ground, which has opened its mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand. When you work the ground, you shall no longer yield. It shall no longer yield to you its strength. You shall be a fugitive and a wanderer on the earth. Cain said to the Lord, My punishment is greater than I can bear. Behold, you have driven me today away from the ground, and from your face I shall be hidden. I shall be a fugitive and wander on the earth, and whoever finds me will kill me. And the Lord said to him, Not so. If anyone kills Cain, vengeance shall be taken on him sevenfold. And the Lord put a mark on Cain, lest any who found him should attack him. Then Cain went away from the presence of the Lord and settled in the land of Nod, east of Eden. I can see myself in every character in Genesis, I'll be totally honest, in the Bible, if, you, if you're trying to, you can see yourself in every character. I can definitely see myself in Cain where I'm not willing to put forth the work, but I expect the benefit. In fact, I would almost say that that's the spirit of my generation and the one after mine, is we don't want to put in the work, but we expect full pay. But the Lord has his own mercy for Cain. He's not going to let anyone kill him. So that's just a, uh, a beginning point for where I'm hoping to go with this. What I would like to see is how God has interacted with man from the beginning of time until now. I would like to look at how Jesus is so necessary. Today we actually looked for why we, at, at why we need a Savior. Because we're corrupt from the beginning. With only one rule to follow, man does not have the capability. With only one rule to follow, we do not have the capability. Also, uh, if you're interested in looking at the Mennonite perspective, or the Confession of Faith in a Mennonite perspective, 
Um, what I've talked about today actually affirms, it affirms Articles 1 through 7 and 19 of the Confession of Faith. I'm new to Mennonite still. I've only been a Mennonite for less than a decade, so I'm still looking at the Confession of Faith when I'm reading Scripture to see because I'm weighing it against the Scriptures that I already believe. I don't mean to keep saying the Confession of Faith in a Mennonite perspective, but that's the name on our sign. And I want to make sure that what I say that I affirm and believe is what I affirm and believe. So I'll keep bringing it up as I run into it, and then you can make those assessments for yourself as well. All right, uh, do you have some songs for us, Millie? Wonderful. Oh, we should. Um, Mike, are you willing to do the announcement portion? I asked Mike to come up and do the announcements so that you get a break from my voice for a while. When I come in, Luke asked me to do the announcements and I drew a blank. Probably showed on my face because I'm going, I don't have no announcements. But yes, I do. Uh, Luke's managed to put together, and I'm quite a good job on it too, our church webpage, the official one. How many of you looked at it? Well, he now has a section on there with links. And if you look under links, there are three not one, but three Bible studies that you can do at home from your Kindle, your computer. And uh, the third one on there, I'm not even sure what the name of that one was. You version or Bible Project? Bible Project. Basically, it's cartoons. They're animated drawings. So you really don't have to put a lot of effort in other than listen. And I know... It's kind of hard for some of us to listen. So, but I suggest that you get a look at that, and I'm going to see that it gets added to our bulletin, the church webpage, because so, I can't quote it. LEDMennonite.org. There, I have an assistant. But are there any other announcements? Um, we were able to go work on uh, Ron Troyer's neighbor Fern's house, her roof, on Friday and Saturday. And honestly, uh, a lot got done yesterday and the day before. Um, I put on Facebook, but since many of you have better things to do than sit on Facebook, uh, just a really big thanks to everybody who showed up to work, and especially Bill Hostetler for setting up all that scaffolding, and to Ron for setting up the opportunity to serve. For Fern, who let us work on her house, because we're strangers mostly, other than, you know, Ron and Willis and their wives. 